is Bloomberg Surveillance. We take the view that as the Fed raises rates, that removes US dollar liquidity from the rest of the world. 60% of global GDP relies on US dollar liquidity. The bottom 90% have basically seen their income stagnate over a third of a century. The Asian economies are the fastest growing ones in the world. China's growth may be slowing down, but we're still talking about China growing at 6.5-7%. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Keen. An interesting Wednesday, the day after the election. Senator Cruz steps aside. We'll do a little bit of politics in this hour. Economics, finance, and investment with you as well. Challenging ADP number. The market moves. 1.80 was the yield right now to uh, um, one, two, three, four, four digits. 1.7752. Yields lower. Bond prices higher. Futures looking moderately moldy. We'll get to that in a minute. Negative 15 on futures. Dow futures. Negative 106. Right now, though, it is time for the Forex Brief, brought to you by Interactive Brokers, winner of FX Week's 2015 award for the best retail Forex trading platform. Visit IB at IBKR.com slash Forex. We do that, and we do it with a Euro 115 moments ago. Flighty Forex today, 114.91, fractionally weaker Euro. Yen flat, 106.60, dollar, a little bit of dollar strength, but all of this off the disruption of yesterday, Forex Insight today from one Michael McKee. Michael McKee, jump into our Forex brief here uh, very quickly. The idea of emerging markets a few days in a row, soggy, and then China follows on. Well, what we had is a couple of Fed officials suggesting that June is going to be a live meeting, and that led the dollar index higher and led to reaction yeah. in other places. The Chinese reset their fixing. Uh, South Africa ran weaker as well. Nine months because they <clears throat> want to uh, avoid being dragged higher. And then all the other countries in Asia have to kind of follow suit. You see the Malaysian ringgit down 1.5%. Oh, only you. Today. Where else, folks, are you going to get worldwide a quote on the Malaysian ring, ringgit? I could do the one, 1.2% if you want. Very good. <laughs> Even the RAND is off 1.1%. Uh, oh, okay. Let's go to the equity report. Now, David Wilson leading off with Bugs Bunny, and, and content is king. Mr. Moonviz of CBS speaking to our David Weston later today on Bloomberg Television. But you don't begin with CBS. You begin with Time Warner. Why is that? Well, because they're up more. Let's start there. And their earnings were out uh Late yesterday as well. I mean, uh, Time Warner up two and a half percent. The owner of CNN, HBO, and other cable channels posted first quarter. Actually, uh, Time Warner's earnings out this morning. My my mistake. First quarter earnings and revenue though. Time Warner beating analyst average estimates in a Bloomberg survey. Higher ratings at CNN led to a surge in advertising sales. It really is a similar story at CBS. Of course, uh, there you had the broadcast of the Super Bowl and the Grammy Awards spurring growth in ad sales. CBS up one and a half percent in early trading. Priceline Group, though, down seven and a half percent. The online travel company's second quarter earnings forecast trailed estimates. Priceline cited an earlier Easter this year, along with increased spending to advertise its Booking.com and Priceline.com websites. We're also seeing Priceline's peers fall in early trading. Expedia down 2%, TripAdvisor down 3%, and Humana's down 2%. It's all about gap, Tom. Generally accepted accounting principles. Humana's gap earnings were lower than estimates, and the health insurer cut its full-year gap profit forecast. Uh, beyond that, Illumina down 4.5%. Hold on. EBITDA one day gap today. You're a font of accounting wisdom. Well, you know, 
people pay attention to this stuff. And they're paying attention to Illumina as well. The shares are down 4.5%. First quarter earnings and revenue at the maker of gene sequencing systems failed to meet analyst estimates. Illumina's second quarter forecast also came up short. Medivation up 3.5%. The maker of cancer drugs was approached by Pfizer about a takeover, according to Reuters. Mm-hmm. The report saying people familiar with the matter. Medivation turned down an unsolicited $9.3 billion offer from Francis Sanofi last week. Sure. Then you have the Intercontinental Exchange, which is not making an offer. This is ICE. Indeed. They said They're not they, buying lists. LSE, London okay. Stock Exchange. Uh, that clears the way for a takeover by Deutsche Börse. And ICE's first quarter earnings uh, beat projections, of course, they own the New York Stock Exchange, and their shares are up 3.5%. Western Union down 4%. The money transfer company's first quarter profit and sales failed to meet estimates. David Wilson through the day on uh, equity markets and earnings. It is an honor to speak with Charles Duma of Lombard Street Research. He has been exceptionally acute on flows and balance sheets and lethargy within the global economy, and he joins us for an update right now. Charles Duma, who has this right right now? Are the currency markets telling policymakers what to do, or are they adapting to the gaming of what Janet Yellen and company will do? Well, I think that um, all that's really happened is that the um, the monetary people, the monetary policy makers, most obviously in Japan and Europe, um, have run out of credibility uh, and in any case are trying to achieve um, objectives which are not to do with monetary policy by monetary means. Um, and they're, they're avoiding um, badly needed structural changes in both cases. Uh, and as a result of them running out of um, running out of rope, really, um, they are now sitting there at the um, at the, at the mercy, really, of um, the natural flows that, which they've caused. Which, in the case of both of those two economies, is a gigantic current account surplus. And um, so, I think what we're seeing actually is that, in the absence of investors worldwide having a strong view about where things are going, the current account creates a natural inflow which um, strengthens the currencies in question. Of course, the yen's gone up a long way. The euro's gone up um, significantly. Um, and um, we, we didn't find this – well, we, we were surprised by the yen, but we weren't, weren't surprised by the euro. Well, uh, did you find it interesting that uh, Mario Draghi took on the Germans directly and suggested their current account surplus is uh, a bad sign for the global economy? Well, I, I mean, you know, we've been proponents of um, – of the savings glut idea from before the time when uh, Bernanke took it on in early 2005. So, um, yeah, if Draghi <clears throat> wants to drag the savings mm-hmm. glut in as a reason why interest rates are low, then, of course, he's perfectly correct. Um, and if the Germans are not uh, able right. to earn any money on their savings because they save too much, well, that serves them right. They're the wrong side of the market. The magic, folks, of Charles Duma is within a 20-page report, and we will not send out the report. We protect the copyright of our guests there will be three paragraphs that light you up. Charles Dumas, you speak of the Friedman-Keynes convergence, which is fascinating for anybody that studies economic history. Are we migrating from equilibrium certitude of what we came out of modern economics and the idea that the normal state is equilibrium? And are we moving within a Milton Friedman, uh, Maynard Keynes uh, convergence over to the disequilibrium as normal that they knew in the 19th century. 
Well, I, I think that is. I think that's right. I mean, the world has always seen pretty violent cycles, and each cycle represents a shift away from equilibrium, and then it goes too far, and then it swings back. And actually, this um, currency thing is a little bit of that, isn't it? I mean, you've um, you've had the Japanese um, devalue like crazy, um, and they, they've shifted therefore income away from households into business. Um, and that means that the domestic demand has been weak. Consumer spending in real terms has gone down steadily under Arbonomics. The um, weakness of imports that results from that has been uh, hugely reinforced by the collapse of um, commodity and energy prices. And the, these two things combined mean that the Japanese are in huge um, current account surplus. So lo and behold, their currency goes up. Yeah. Uh, and um, and the same sort of thing is happening on a much smaller scale in, in, in the Eurozone. Well, it, it, taking just Japan, there is a difference from the 1800s, and that is that uh, population is no longer growing. So they don't have the potential yeah. growth that they used to have. Well, that, I mean, that's a very good point, that um, Japan is inherently a slow-growth country. But um, in, in that situation, you obviously need much less investment, and in fact they invest more than uh, the United States out of their gross product, um, and they also save even more than they invest. So they're saving a huge amount of money and contributing to the same glut that the Germans do. Um, for no obvious purpose whatever inside their own economy. Um, and so unless, unless they're anxiously pushing their money overseas, the natural tendency is for the exchange rate to, to rise so that um, their economy contracts because they have a deficiency of domestic demand. And, um, and so your, your, your point about demographics is, mm -hmm. is spot on. Uh, it's a crucial part of the whole thing. But what it means is that they need to be consuming a larger share of GDP than the Americans, not a smaller. And, in fact, it's miles smaller, and um, it's exactly because well, they, they, they swindle their households, essentially. Quick, quickly uh, here before we – when we're going to come back with Charles Dumas, the idea, uh, Mr. Dumas, of convincing consumers to consume, is there any point in history where that's proven to be a fact? Policymakers can order, demand, suggest, cajole people to consume? Well, no, there isn't. But what, what is perfectly clear in, in Japan is that um, you've got a, a vast flow of income in business, um, which is all locked up in there and is impervious to any kind of capital market discipline. And so it doesn't come out and get into the hands of people who might spend it. So the problem for consumers is not that um, okay. they're saving way too much. The well, problem is they just don't have enough income. Let's come back. Charles Duma with us. We will continue with Mr. Duma. First, we're going to check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. President Barack Obama is traveling to Flint, Michigan today to get an update on how it's dealing with the problem of lead contamination in tap water. The White House says that today President Obama wants to assure residents that federal help will continue even after the media glare subsides. It's looking more likely that Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton will go head-to-head -head in November. Trump's main rival, Ted Cruz, has dropped out of the race after Trump's win yesterday in the Indiana primary. Bernie Sanders won Indiana's Democratic primary, but Clinton now 
has 2,202 delegates to Sanders' 1,400. The U.S. continues to seek a truce in the Syrian town of Aleppo as the violence continues in the civil war there. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Uh, Thanks so much, Michael Barr. Luis Yamada publishing moments ago on the U.S. stock market. The technician Yamada says this rally appears over. From New York, Bloomberg Surveillance. Counting you down to the opening bell, brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive on at your local Jeep dealer today. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and the Bloomberg Futures Report brought to you by Interactive Brokers and CME Group. If you're looking for global futures contracts with low trading costs, look no further. Interactive Brokers is the industry leader. Learn more at interactivebrokers.com slash CME Group. U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning after the S&P 500 fell to a three-week low. It comes amid lingering concerns that tepid global growth will weigh on the U.S. economy. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures down 12 points. Dow E-mini futures down 88. And NASDAQ E-mini futures down 30. The DAX in Germany is down 7 tenths percent. Ten-year Treasury up 2.30 seconds. The yield 1.78 percent. Yield on the two-year 0.74 percent. NYMEX crude oil up 1.8% or 79 cents to 44.44 a barrel. COMEX gold is down 4 tenths percent or $4.90 to 12.86.80 an ounce. The euro, $1.1493. The yen, 106.60. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen Mosco, thank you very much. We're uh, talking with Charles Dumas of Lombard Street. He's the chief economist, founder there. Um, and we were talking about uh, the, the, the idea that Things are cyclical. And Tom and I were talking, Charles, during the break about how um, you you wonder what the future of the economy is globally uh, with technology taking over. And yet you go back and you look at 1898, you know, the same sort of thing. Those without the skills uh, in that new technological era also sidelined. Uh, are you optimistic or pessimistic that we get through this period? Well, I'm optimistic over over the long term because um, the progress um, will filter through to um, to everyone in due course. It's just that um, obviously, if you're 50 years old and you're you've spent your lifetime as a driver, let's say, and driverless cars come along, then you know that could be tricky. Um, and that's uh, that's the sort of transition one gets in with with a major technological breakthrough in almost any circumstances. And um, you know that is going to be a problem for a long time. But alongside that in the U.S., you've got um, a, a situation where the, the um, housing crash um, and the housing crisis uh, caused quite a lot of um, extra immobility of labor and therefore um, a lack of elasticity of response to the, to, to the um, problems of, uh, of the crisis. Um, specifically, um, you know, if you've got either negative equity or very small positive equity, and um, you, you would need to sell up and move and then buy a house in the new location. You can't do that if, um, if, if your equity is not large enough and the down payment is too high, particularly if the price is much higher in the new location as it's likely to be if you're moving you know, somewhere that's booming. 
And um, then you've got the kids who come back um, from home from, from college with a whole heap of um, student debt, uh, and so they kind of have to live at home, and so oh. they have to look for, house, for, for jobs at home rather than um, wherever they might have gone otherwise. So the labor mobility is a lot less than it used to be, and that probably means that wages have done less well than they might have done. Are we creating good jobs? And I don't mean just the United States, but I mean within the developed world, not not the whole world, not emerging market, not N11, but within the major economies, Germany, the United Kingdom, Britain, et cetera, the United States. Charles Dumas, are we creating quality jobs? Uh, well, I, my guess would be, yes, we probably are, but we don't know what they are. Um, the difficulty... Now, certainly over here in, in, in England, what, what's happened is that there's been a huge rate of migration into the country. A, a lot of them are very educated people from places like Spain and Portugal where they've had very depressed conditions because of the Euro crisis. And those guys come over here, it's dirt cheap to get here, um, and they get themselves a job in Starbucks um, serving over the counter to start with. And so it looks like very low income and very low productivity. And very little value but of course these are educated people who are coming into the labor force and um, and, and they're useful and they've got and, and they've got energy so um, there will be a good future for them particularly the ones that stay and so you know you, you've got you've got a sort of big transition going on and um, a lot of big transitions at once you've talked about the technology we've got this business of migration um, and you've got these um, these imbalances between economies, and they're all trying to get resolved all at once. And I'm afraid it's uh, it's just a, a, a big upheaval, really. How is uh, politics playing into uh, and, and the politics of the economy playing into the Brexit vote? Well, I think it's pretty similar over here in many ways to what you've got in the United States with uh, you know Donald Trump being popular. Um, amongst people who feel that um, the, the, the world has slightly left them behind or left them out in the cold. Um, and, and we've got, I mean, the, the, the pressure here is very much arising from migration. We've had a substantial increase of population in Britain, which is a crowded place. I mean, England in mm -hmm. particular, you can fit four Englands into Texas, and the population in England alone is over 50 million. So, you know, it gives you an idea. And... Um, People are squashed in, and we've got a whole lot more coming in, and it's very good for the economy, of course. Um, but it yeah. also aggravates inequality because it drives down wages, drives up land values and existing wealth, uh, and drives up profits. So all of those kind right. of things um, are, are aggravations in the short run. Charles, Charles, very valuable. Thank you so much, Charles Duma, uh, with a different perspective, a perspective based on a different form of economics than we used to often hear from. He's with Lombard Street Research. Mike, I am struck by reading not the minutia, the notes, but pretty much the detail of the earnings report of the New York Times versus Time Warner. And it is amazing the shift in growth of Delta growth, positive growth, at the top of the income statement and down the income statement, HBO, doing better than good with Game of Thrones, they rose 7.7% in the quarter. That is a ginormous number compared to many others. Yeah. Just I extraordinary mean, you, uh, number. Content is king, as they say. Um, you know, they, they're in a different business. Certainly. Yeah, they're in a different – my point, yeah. New York Times. What, what I love about what they're doing, they don't apologize about binge-watch. Do you binge-watch? 
No, I don't even binge listen. <laughs> Judd Tucker, do you binge watch? I can't get my antenna on the read. my antenna on the Zenith TV when I tilt it. The New York Times building gets in the way in Midtown. I can't get I can't binge watch if the antenna's not correct. You you could never cut the cord because you never had a cord. <laughs> never had a cord. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, anyways, congratulations to Mr. Bukas. I, 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 just, it's amazing what we see in the media wars, including uh, what we do here at Bloomberg. This is a setup, isn't it? You're setting up our next guest. Yeah. Stay with us. Coming down to the opening bell, brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today.